0: this couple are in God's work in the middle of Detroit. And if you remember Chili Chilton, right? He started that church, and then this young couple came in behind him and took over in his place. And we have been supporting them since they've been there, which is about four years. Amen. And we've, we've already heard a little bit about uh, what's happening there, and I'm sure they're going to share some of their own stories today, and uh, Jacob and Don Bender, and I'm just introducing them now, and then we're going to see a video. So Jacob and Don, would you give them a Mount Hope Church welcome this morning? I thought he disappeared. Go ahead and hit that video, John, and I'm not crying
1: you're crying I'm not the one crying right now (laughs) right is anybody else out there crying right now this story gets me this story is so real and this woman is so faithful in our church
2: yeah we have a a saying at our church that says love serve repeat love serve repeat we meet people right where they are we serve them right where they are no matter what they've done no matter where they are We, we do everything we can to show them over the top how what Jesus looks like and then we do it all over again uh, we dwell over again for them, we dwell over again for the next person, the next person, the next person, and that may seem easy, in theory, may seem easy, uh, but we come a lo- across a lot of broken people where we live and where we do ministry. So every year at Christmas, we do that for about, uh, last year we did it for about 14 families. Um, that was the lady in there was, uh, was Lynn. So we, we do for a few what we wish that we could do for everybody. So in Lynn's case, she has, uh, I wish she had 13 kids, 13. seven live in the house. And then she has a grandkid living in the house. Four of them didn't have beds. We, we'd visit them often. And as we're visiting the, this family, like, you smell a sewage smell that, that, because there was all, constant sewage coming in their house that the, the landlord wouldn't fix because they wouldn't, they weren't able to pay the rent. They'd fallen so far behind on rent. Uh, four kids sleeping on the floor. So we went, we got them all mattresses. We got them four mattresses, box springs, cris- all that. We bought a Christmas tree. Uh, we filled the tree with presents, and we just gave that family what we wish we could do for everybody. And we do that. We, we select a, a few, and we give them the Christmas that we wish we could give to everybody in our community. That's what we do for a few, and then for everyone.
1: Um, I mean, this year we're going to do it all a little bit differently. Instead of choosing individual families, we're going to open a toy store that mom, dad, whoever caretaker is, can come bring their children, have a Just a fantastic day to just have Christmas. The kids are going to decorate Christmas cookies, all the fun things, and have fun while mom goes to our main sanctuary. And we have a store for them to shop with dignity without their money (laughs) to just have a free I'm going to choose what I'm going to give my child. And it's a gift from Courage Church that they can wrap and then they can.
2: They wrap it right yeah, there. Yeah, they and wrap then, it right yeah. there. We'll
1: have a we'll have like professional wrappers wrapping things and just just doing the thing that's here's Christmas. You don't have the funds, but we do, and we're we're asking the world to well, help us have the funds we to don't, give them the dream Christmas, to yeah. at least a dream Christmas gift that they can give their child something that they chose that they know their child would want. And it's yeah. just, we're really excited about the dignity that, that's going to come with that. Yeah, this they take year. it
2: home, and they can put it under the tree from them. It doesn't need to be from us. We, we will really, we really want to make it a dignified Christmas for them. And then for everybody on the 23rd, the couple days before Christmas, to come to church, we're going to actually do a toy giveaway where the kids can just come, have a celebration, unwrap the presents right there, uh, and it'll be great. But, um... One thing that you're going to see as we continue to tell you some of the stories, and we're going to we're going to do some teaching through this is we love to teach, so we're going to we're not just going to tell stories. We're going to actually try to teach you and equip you uh, with some kind of fascinating things in the Bible, and hopefully that that blesses you. But if you want to support the work that's being done, obviously there's lots of ways you can do that. One is just going to be uh, you could give because uh, we it's a lot. It costs just joy to the deal alone several several thousands. It's like eight hundred
1: dollars to buy all the wrapping paper.
2: Yeah, it's it's just it's thousands. Incredible. I think I think the number is like six thousand. Cash, and then we get several hundred donations of beyond that. So it's a lot, uh, and and then we do other stuff. We're going to share with you about that. We're going to do like something called the Reconciliation Table. We'll tell you about it in a little while. But another way you can help is we created these things called the Equip Cards, and we're selling these. And this is kind of a trial run on them. And on this card, this is just a USB card. It works in a computer. It just plugs
1: into your computer. You plug in your no computer, DVD. and on it is
2: over 200 sermons. So if you you'll hear what you hear today, this so a variation of this one will be on there. Very detailed teachings about the Bible, because that's really what we do. We do a series through the letters of John. All three of them, we do a series through the Sermon on the Mount, a series through uh, the Ten Commandments, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and this card is actually uh, updatable. So like next time we come back, uh, we'll have by, by this time next year we'll have a sermon, a series through Romans. We'll update that for you for free if you do it. And what we do with this because it's a, don- a fundraiser, we do it on a pay what you can basis. Uh, the minimum is the minimum we say is ten cents per sermon, which comes to twenty dollars. Uh, and I think some people can do that. They say, hey, I'll pay twenty dollars for the card. If you can't pay anything, we'll give you a download link, uh, we just have to at least cover the cards. Uh, but I think some people we here are going to say, I'll pay a dollar a sermon, and there's $200 for the ministry. We're not keeping any of it. So it's all going to the ministry. Somebody might say, hey, I want to pay $5 a sermon. Whatever it is, you do the math. We'll give you the card uh, if, you, if you want to do that. Uh, and so we equip you uh, with a lot of teachings. And then, of course, you're equipping us to do the work uh, in Detroit. Uh, helping us feed kids, put coats on kids, clothe people, give families Christmases, uh, do all these types of stuff that we do. We also have some t-shirts available. So that's kind of the, the idea behind these, and we would love to talk to you in the back if you're interested in that. So let's get into this. I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then we're going to start. We're going to start. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, for this amazing church, Lord. That they, would, uh, that the, they support the work you're doing in Detroit, Father God. They're doing amazing work here, Father God. Father God, thank you for... Pastors uh, Norman, Pastor Bauer, Father God, and for the friendship that we've had with them over the years and the way that it's even starting to bloom and develop into new things, Father God, we thank you for that, Lord. They're amazing people, and we're so honored to be here, Father God. Lord, we also lift up Courage Church right now, also having service in Detroit. Let your hand be on that service. Let it be on Don and I here today, Lord. Holy Spirit, may you speak through us today that only the things that you would have, Don and I, to say, God, let us just say that today and say nothing else. I'll let it not even come out of our mouths, Lord, if it's not of you. And we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, so what, what, what we try to do everywhere we go is we try to share a little bit about Detroit, which we did a little of, we're going to do a lot more of, uh, and then we're going to also teach. And because this week is Thanksgiving, we thought, why don't we teach something that kind of relates to Thanksgiving, food. right? You're about to all go on it's Thursday and have this amazing meal with your family. We just had an amazing meal. Yeah.
1: So much food. Your pastors are amazing yeah. hosts.
2: <laughs> they're, they're awesome you guys have great pastors
1: they uh, spoke our kids love language they spoke our love language they spoke everybody's love language and they just loved on us in the last I mean we've been here what 12 hours and they filled our bellies and they filled our hearts so
2: it's been so good so you. but oh. you're all about to have this amazing meal with your with your families with people that you love with people that you maybe haven't seen in a while maybe maybe some of them are distant and maybe there's tension even there but you're going to come into this moment and you're going to have a meal together and that's what is so great about Thanksgiving and uh And I'm really hoping, we're really hoping today and we're praying that we can give you something, kind of a new meaning to the concept of the table and the concept of what it means to sit at a table with your family or with your friends uh, and really give you a greater context of the sense and sense of mission in your life uh, and and we'll try to also relate it to what we do. Before we start, I just want to say we're
1: not making this up to make it fit with Thanksgiving. This is something that God has put in our hearts for our ministry in Detroit and something that we have been delighted to find is a... Really solid theology, and we're like, "Whoa! This is amazing! This is why the church eats so, together." So,
2: Don, if, if 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 somebody were to ask you, what is the vi- the mission? What's the mission of Courage Church? How would you sum it up?
1: Reconciliation.
2: Just one word. Bam.
1: Yeah, we're we're recon- one word. Yeah. One you sum word. up
2: the entire mission in one word. Yeah, one word. Okay. Second Corinthians five, and I'll read it to you in a second. But in Second Corinthians five, Paul says this. He says, "You've been given the ministry of reconciliation." Now you can search the entire Bible, I dare you to do it, search through the thing, you get lists of things like, of what ministers can kind of do, but you aren't given physically any other ministry besides this one. Paul says you've been given, the Jesus gives you the great commission, it's a mission to make disciples, and Paul puts it this way, your ministry you've been given is to reconcile people back to God by not counting their trespasses against them, and you've been entrusted with that ministry that is it, in the entire Bible, you don't have, you don't have youth ministry, you don't have children's ministry, those things are all amazing, but you got to kind of run it through that filter of of reconciliation, is this doing that, so um, this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, and I'm just going to read two verses of it, the whole section is amazing, but 18 and 19 say, all this is from God, let me actually actually put this on the screen, Um, there we go, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ was recon- Christ, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the ministry of uh, the message of reconciliation. So our job in our cities, in our city, in your city, in Detroit, in Gaylord, wherever you might be, wherever you may go, whatever you might do, is that you meet people right where they are, no matter how far away they may seem from God, or they may seem to be from the community that they're in, or from you, or for whatever, and you meet them right where they are. And Paul even says, you don't define people by what they've done. In fact, he says, you don't, you don't define people by the things they've done wrong, because Jesus does, doesn't do that either. You don't judge people by holding their trespasses against them, even if those trespasses were done against you. You still don't hold that against them? And it says you've been entrusted with this message, the message of reconciliation. So at Courage Church, we run everything through that filter. Is this reconciling people back to God? And is this reconciling people back to a relationship with the church and with us and with the community?
1: So your ministries that you're doing, as you're doing children's ministry, as you're doing homeless ministry, whatever the ministries are that you're doing, we're going to show you how those all fit under this umbrella of reconciliation. So don't be scared. We're going to be like, you need to get rid of all that and put everything in here and this is it. That's not it. It's, it's all under that umbrella. But I, I just want to give you kind of just a glimpse of the way that God does this idea of reconciliation from the beginning to the very end. Literally Genesis to Revelation. I'm not going to go over all of it. Thank God. That's a lot of material. <laughs> But, but, but it's something that you can see. And I hope that after today, you'll be reading your Bible, you'll be living your life, and you'll say, whoa, this is reconciliation. This is bearing the image of God and reconciling people to, back to that. So you have the garden, creation. God made man in his image, in our image, the Trinity, right? And it was good, right? It was good. And then what happened, it was corrupted. This image of God inside of us was corrupted and just destroyed by sin, by a choice, by a lie, by a lie that was believed. And everything that was God in first Adam and Eve was destroyed. And God's every move from that moment forward, I am telling you, is to reconcile his people back to him, back to his presence, back to know him in such a way that really only Adam and Eve have experienced. Even Jesus was a little bit separated from that because he had experienced that. But everything that he did, all these crazy stories in the Bible, it's all God crying out saying, I just want that image that I put in you to be whole again, to be restored. And you'll see it as you read. If if you're faithful to understand this, you'll be faithful to see that. Our lives and the whole of history, every moment is designed by God to reconcile us.
2: How many of you guys are familiar with that passage that David says in Psalm 23, when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? And he says something that you may find a bit bizarre in that passage. He says this, he says, I guess I don't have a slide for it, I thought I did. He says, he says you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And... It's kind of a strange psalm, especially in a psalm of thanksgiving. So that's what's considered a psalm of like, they have different psalms. You have lament psalms, you have thanksgiving psalms. That's a psalm of thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. You, happy Thanksgiving, I'm at a table with my enemies. And that might be a little bit strange for you. You think, why would, that, why would God prepare a table for me? Why would he be thanking God for that? Well, the word table in the Hebrew language is the Hebrew word shulchan. Okay, it's a, it's a Hebrew word, um, and and again it might seem a little strange like you know David's history you know David's a pretty violent man he's done some pretty violent things he's done some pretty awful things in his life it means he's also done some great things but he's and all of a sudden he's rejoicing he's praising God and he's saying God thank you you prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies you know anything about the history of David what are you thinking
1: sounds violent
2: that's going to be a violent
1: <laughs> that sounds a little violent
2: Violent, awful meal right but that's because we don't in our culture we don't understand the power And we don't understand the emphasis that the ancient world put on the concept of the table. We just don't get it. See, in Genesis 31, there's a story of uh, Jacob and Laban. Laban is Jacob's father-in-law. And Jacob is really unhappy with the situation there. So he steals a bunch of stuff from Laban. He takes his wives, uh, so Laban's daughters, and they leave. They abandon ship. And then Laban gets real mad about it. And and he's in his right to do that. He he was really hurt. And so he pursues Jacob, and he wants to... Hunt Jacob down, but when he finds Jacob, instead of killing him or fighting him, this is what the Bible says. It says they sit down and they have a meal together. It's it's known as a meal covenant, a covenant meal. It's not called that in the Bible, but it's what it's considered. And the concept was this: they come to they sit down and they figure out what you're gonna go this way, I'm gonna go this way, but we're gonna be okay. How are we gonna figure out our kind of what it's gonna be? They went back and forth, they talked together, they and then at the end of the thing, they split ways and they realized we're okay.
1: It takes really mature adults, right? I mean, how many would have trouble doing that in that scenario? That would be really hard to even look a person in the face, much less have a long meal with them until everything's
2: okay. So in the Hebrew language, the word solha uh, for table could also be translated as reconciliation. Same word, two meanings. In the Arabic language, it's the exact same word too. In the Arabic language, it's the word solha. Soha and what and there's actually a thing called soha in that culture still today where if two families are having a rivalry like They're fighting with each other in that culture. It gets really violent sometimes somebody kills some person They one-up they kill them again. It's like wow, There's a lot of blood on our hands. How do we stop this? What they do is they have what's called the soha They eat they sit down together and together. they have an enormous feast and they determine before they start this feast neither of us are going to leave neither party will leave this table until we have come to terms with what it's going to take to be okay with each other, to reconcile with each other. Sometimes these meals last hours and hours, sometimes even into the next day, until there is resolve.
1: Who's making this food? No, I don't know. It's pretty crazy,
2: but the the table is the best That's place you. to reconcile, and it's an example throughout the Bible. It's a very consistent setting for it, which we're going to show you uh, today. Because when you share a meal with somebody, like you're going to all do on Thanksgiving and you live, your, you live your life in community like that, you realize the person who's sitting next to me at this table, they're, they're just as broken as I am. They're just as sinful as I am. They're just as hurting as I am, yet they're just as much a child of the living God as I am. But see, when people hurt us, if you've been hurt by somebody in your life, I mean, I, my prayer is that by the end of today you'll realize that like, God wants to lift that from you. But if you've been hurt by somebody, the first thing you want to do is you want to stay as far away from them as you can, right? You don't want to eat with them. I've been, we've been hurt by a lot of people doing ministry. I'm sure you guys know you get hurt by a lot of people, a lot, and we've hurt a lot of people in our lives. And when you actually hurt somebody, all you can do is you can pursue that, and you can say, hey, I want to do whatever it's going to take to make this okay. But when you're hurt by somebody, if you let it, it actually has the power to destroy your life. It does. If you give it that power, and you can give people that, and you can cut somebody off from your life because you're so mad at them for what they have done to you, but the fact is that the fact that they're cut off from you now makes it impossible that you can reconcile with them, and so it's brewing in your life, and we we always think, well, cut off the thing that's hurting me, and there is health in that. Even the sohas, a lot of times we go different ways, but first we make it right we don't leave it there you don't just you don't cut cut off before you make it right or else it will continue to hurt you it's called bitterness it will ruin your life if you let it over time so when David says you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies he is not saying that because I want to kill them he's saying my cup overflows I'm so thankful he's saying thank you God that you have given me a chance to reconcile with the people who I've hurt thank you God that you've given me a chance to reconcile with the people who have hurt me thank you God that you've set the table so that I can forgive them one thing that we want to do in Detroit this is a dream and again we only can kind of work at the speed of other people's generosity so we dream really big and we believe that God's going to do amazing things our community is very poor but we bought a house, a two-unit house. Uh, we host mission trips from uh, there, and we host some interns that live there. And we have a side lot next to this house. And one thing we want to do is we want to level the lot. It's been okay, very hard. Okay, can, can to I get just explain what levels. this
1: side lot is? You guys don't have tiny properties like we do in Detroit. You have these oh, yeah, big sprawling. Uh, the side lot is probably about the size of your stage. That yep. is a huge chunk of property in Detroit. Yep. That's an entire lot. That's the houses are stage to stage next to each other. You would probably fit three houses in Detroit into this room. And so we this, want so can you imagine that with yeah. us? And little spot. <laughs> I am trying to help you visualize it because I realize we, we like we want to
2: make it like a little community garden area fire pit and then we want to build a table that goes the entire length of the entire thing.
1: But the ground is bumpy.
2: Yeah, we gotta level it. Really we've been, bumpy. we've tried like ten times. We've tilled it so many times, it's been a nightmare. We don't it's, know what it is. It's doing. so much harder. Vision always like it always there's always like a wall you hit when you have visions like this. A lot of them. We've hit lot a lot of on this. So pray for us to get over that. But we want to build this table. And then what we want to do is we want to reconcile with our community. We want to set the table for them. We want to take Jesus literally when he says in Luke 14, when you give a banquet, don't invite your friends. And when we host mission trips that come through and this table, once this table is built, we're going to actually take those teams and they're going to go out to the highways and the byways. And they're going to bring back the poor, the lame, the blind, the ones who cannot pay us back, and we're going to give them a banquet. And we're going to show them what reconciliation looks like, and what it means to be reconciled back to God in a setting like that.
1: Back to society, you know, yeah. that's one of those, like, you feel like you can't even walk into the grocery store because you're so smelly and you fit out of, you don't fit into society, and to bring them into this space that's this beautiful banquet space, it's outside because that's just, that's yeah. the space we have, and that's the dream we have, but to come into this space and be honored as though this is a banquet for a king. Yeah. And, and you don't feel like you even deserve a bottle of water or a quarter from the car driving by you today. No, that's not what Jesus says. I want to reconcile that, that, that dignified person inside of you back to who God created you to be. And let you see, sit at this table and be dignified and be honored as the human you were intended to be. That's, that's the heart of that.
2: I want to show you guys something you're probably familiar with. you familiar with the Lord's Prayer? <coughs> Jesus, in, in, uh, in Matthew 6, Jesus gives him the Lord's Prayer. In Luke, the disciples ask Jesus, how do you pray, Lord? And Jesus says, hey, this is how you pray. He says, when you pray, you don't heap up empty words. You don't babble. You don't say too much. God's not impressed when you say really spiritual stuff to him. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for something else. He says this. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now what these first two lines are actually saying is they're saying, uh, God, let our earthly lives reflect what's already up there, what's already in your heart, what's already going on in the kingdom of heaven. Let our lives here be about the business of bringing what's up there down here. That's what it's saying. But then he tells us how to do it, okay? And you have to look closely to catch this. Give us this day our daily bread. Bread. Now, what does that sound like? Food. It does sound like food, doesn't it? Now, we know it's manna. We know it's provision. I'm not going to tell you it's not all those things, but I'm going to tell you it's so much more than those things. Because watch what he actually says. He says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. The Lord's prayer is asking the exact same thing that David is asking for in Psalm 23. He's saying, God, every single day, prepare a place for me in the presence of those who have wronged me so that I can forgive them. Set the table, Lord, with everything that we need, that we can be agents of reconciliation in a world that has done a lot of evil against us and has hurt us. Let us be the first ones, church, to say that we're sorry, even when it's not our fault. Let us be the ones to forgive no matter what it is that somebody has done to us. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us the opportunity every day. And give us the strength that it takes every single day to forgive.
1: But how do we find that strength when who we are and who we were intended to be in that image of God has been ransacked by sin? Even if you lived a perfect sinless life, you still are separated from God. Your your image of who he is in you is still broken. Okay, so if you if you look at this, can you go back to the first part of the the Lord's prayer? This this our Father who art in heaven, you probably don't have it up there. Our God in heaven, this this word for heaven, this is this is the air. This is there's some basically you can study this and and, and realize it's our God who's as close to us as the air that we breathe. He's so close and he wants to be so close. Let your kingdom let who you are, God let it be done right here on earth let me let me bear the image that you created me to bear in that garden let me be god who you are be so close to me now what does that even look like what does that take encountering god now your worship team basically preached this sermon this morning with all the words that they sang it was just beautiful i mean like the Holy Spirit's here. And I just, yeah. I, I just want to share one really quick thing. I, I loved having my kids in worship. That was awesome. We don't do that at our church, so keep doing that. Um, but my five-year-old in the middle of worship looked at me and goes, Mommy, my heart's beating so fast. I feel <laughs> so happy. And I was like, that's the Holy Spirit, baby. <laughs> he's here. So if you're ever not sure, yeah, he's here. Yeah. The five-year-olds yeah. know. Just ask them all about it. They'll tell you exactly what it feels like and what it's doing to them. It's beautiful. I was like near weeping. Well, I was. I probably make makeup all over my face. <laughs> <laughs> like a raccoon yeah, out yeah, here. Go to See the mirror. The mirror. <laughs> Isn't Thank she? You. All right. So, what does this take? What does this look like? It's encountering yeah. the living God, who's active in the world today. I think sometimes we think like God's dead. No, no. I mean, or He's He's coming back someday. Like, where is He now? No, He's as close to us as the air that we breathe. Jesus yeah. sent the Holy Spirit to be the Paraclete to help yes. us to be an advocate. To, to be next to us and close to us. And what is he doing? He's coaching us through life. He's teaching us how to bear the image of God. What does that even mean? How to take what's in here and turn it into what's up there in heaven, in the Eros, in, in, in this, this identity of who God is. So the more we understand who God is, the more we can be who God is, right? And, and how do we understand that? We understand that through the life of Jesus, because he was this incarnated version of God. He was God, but he was, he was distinct as human. Yeah. He, he came into humanity to, to redeem us. There's a whole bunch of stuff there. Study the Trinity, ask your pastor about it. He knows all of it. But God wanted to demonstrate. As we sit here on earth and we're like, I-, I don't understand who you are, God. How am I supposed to reflect that? He's like, all right, here's Jesus. You look at the ministry of Jesus. Why do we say we should do as Jesus does, right? So we're, we're going to try and be Jesus to these people. Jesus with skin on. Well, Jesus did have skin on, so you could just be Jesus. So we don't have to say that anymore. <laughs> but then the Holy Spirit is here with us to be that too, to teach us who God is, to, to have some peace. In in ourselves, so so we start we start by encountering God, and that can happen while well, you eat. Um, you can you can experience God through food because He created that for us to tangibly touch and to to not just fill our bellies, but to like. Have you ever had like a burger? I love burgers. Have you ever had a burger and you're like, I just feel so alive right now. This is so good. <laughs> yeah. I literally I sat in Manhattan. We're sitting at Shake Shack, me and my sister, and we we both like take a bite and we look at each other like. What is this? This is so good. And we just like every bite, we're like, oh, it feels so alive. Like there were drugs or something. No, that's God. You can experience God through food, it's real. And I know some of you ex- have experienced it. Your love language is probably physical touch. Just saying saying, just throwing that out there. We can experience that through our families, through through our relationships, and that's what God's trying to reconcile. We need to have peace where there, there probably should be fear. We need to trust God when the finances don't add up on paper, and everybody's like, you need to see a financial advisor, and you're like, but I have Jesus. <laughs> you just trust him, and you do your very best with the your mind and your heart. You love God with both your mind and your heart, right? So we do things, but but when, when life's just out of reach. We trust God because it doesn't make sense, but he, he's designing it, so we're going to do our best. But I have this, this story. Okay, so when we first moved to Detroit, don't get scared because I'm not. Um, this crazy thing happened to us. So probably from here to your pastor, there was a wall, and we lived in this loft, and my kids slept probably right here. Brooklyn's little head, Fiona's little head, and Millie. We didn't have Eloise then. We have four kids now. Um, so they're sleeping, and our van's parked about there. I'm telling you, the sidewalk was like the widest sidewalk in Detroit. And that's how far it was. There was no grass, OK? This is, this is Detroit. So street parking, vans parked right there. All of a sudden, we're up in the back of the apartment. And Jacob runs down the stairs, because there's, there's sirens and there's a fire truck. And I'm like, oh, what is happening? I'm so tired. I'm so tired I'm my mom. I'm tired. But he runs down. He's like, it's our van. Our van is on fire. Our van. Somebody just randomly drove by and lit our van on fire. And you can imagine as a mom, okay, there's two things when we move to Detroit that I have fire drill for. Where are my kids, and what if I hear gunshots? So I'm here worried about Every gunshots. Day. Okay, yeah. I roll off the bed underneath, and I'm safe, right, because gunshots don't go on the floor. I don't know. I don't know. This is just, like, get low, but that's probably a fire drill. I don't know. This is my fire, like, gun drill, because there are guns in Detroit, and you hear a lot of gunshots. But... I didn't know what to do. I was like, I didn't, I didn't practice for fire outside. And the first thing that popped in my mind is all those movies that are like, the van's gonna explode. It's fire and gas and explosion. And I panicked for two seconds and then I was fine. I went down, I scooped up my kids, I took a deep breath, and the Holy Spirit has been dealing with me at this point for several months. Fear is not for you. Please, just let's deal with this. And all of a sudden, I was just like, everything's fine he's like eating that burger and I'm like oh I feel so happy it's just like that was my experience with God I'm holding my babies and I don't know if it was a dangerous moment or not I don't know but it felt really dangerous and I felt like God had his arms around me and I don't know if you can see in that window right there that's my baby's bedroom we're sitting there and you cannot see the look on my face but I am smiling guys My van just got burned to the ground and they put the fire out, so I'm okay. But the peace of God was the greatest I had ever felt it in my entire life. I didn't have all the thoughts of what are we going to drive? How are we going to put the kids, how are we going to get the kids to school tomorrow? I don't know what to do.
2: What? Those thoughts came in the morning.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) you figure that stuff out because you're trusting God that he's doing a thing. And that moment proved to me that I'm okay. And when I sat face to face with somebody as I struggled with something in my life that had guilt and shame or fear and I looked the drug addict in the face who's weeping in the presence of God at my church saying, I don't want to do this to my family anymore. The guilt and the shame is so heavy. I can't even see them. I can't go to Thanksgiving with them because they won't forgive me. I stood there and weeped with her saying, I know how heavy the sin is. I know how heavy the guilt is. It's not the same, but it's the same. It's still breaking that image. And I know how much it hurts to hurt the father yeah. who you want to please. And it's not just to please him, it's to be in his presence, to be whole. We want to be whole because that's how we were designed. And that's, my friend, that's how you bear the image of God. To say, this is God and this is what it looks like in this scenario. And for her to say, wow, I just feel like God, God's presence is here in the community. When, when we're okay, our relationships start to be okay. Yeah. Our family, the family was God's idea. The father and the son, hello. Like that's a great relationship united by the, the, the trinity, unites united by love, by the spirit. That should be us. We should be mimicking and replicating that. You should be okay at Thanksgiving, sitting at the table with your family. And if you're not, God wants that to be okay. And he wants you to be encountering him, so you're okay. And he wants your purpose then out of that your purpose of who you are once you're okay and your relationships are okay then who you are in your community is okay you're serving in your church and your purpose is what you're supposed to be doing if it's picking up the pennies so somebody doesn't break the vacuum by sucking them up that's your job because that sets you on fire and if it's if it's singing on the worship team or greeting people or just finding the people that look left out and just making them feel loved, that's your job. Do, be part of that purpose and, and show up, show up. And, and when, we do, when we do ministry in Detroit, we do, we have a backpack giveaway. There's a picture of us in the park. Okay, so we show up at this park, and we have, like, I don't know, like 150 people sometimes in our church. They show up when they want to, but sometimes it's 200, but it's, like, 90 people. Okay, sometimes that's how big our church is. It's always different. Yeah, I mean, sometimes people just don't show up. But when they do show up, all of a sudden we go to the park, and we do this outreach, and we give away backpacks for school. And, like, these, w- these kids don't have backpacks otherwise at school. They don't have any school supplies. We give away backpacks, and we get What? A thousand people in the park, they just come from everywhere. And we're like, okay, they're not coming to our church. Our church isn't a thousand people. What's happening? But you know what? I've realized the more we show up, the more God's image is just getting out there. Like, this is Jesus. This is what Jesus wants to be here right now doing for you, feeding you, giving you clothes, giving you back. Whatever that looks like in your community, do that. And please, just show up. Because you know what happens when you show up? We had a family walk in the doors. We, I, I've never met them before. I think they were at this event somewhere. Yeah, they, they probably they were. Were. They were. I can probably find yeah. the picture. They said they were at this event. They walked in our doors, and they said, our house got shot up this week. Thirteen bullets went through our, the front of our house, and one th- went through my three-year-old son's foot. And one went right over my seven-year-old's head. And I just wanted to go somewhere and thank God for protecting my family. And I wanted to declare his name over my house. Yeah. They didn't know where to go. They just said, I didn't know where to go to do that. I just knew Courage Church. I just kept hearing Courage Church, Courage Church, Courage Church, because guess what? Courage Church showed up. Yeah. And when they needed to show up and be in the presence of God and be transformed, Courage Church, thats God just put that in, because that's where they knew the image of God was. That's where they knew they could encounter God. So please, show up. And as you do that, that's the mission, to know who God is, to be who God is, to be okay, to be whole in yourself, whole in your relationships, just reflecting God in the things in your community. And We're reconciling people to become who God's created them to be. God's mission in humanity is this self-disclosure to everybody who who am i who am i that's who he wants you to answer who he is he wants you to know that with everything in you no one's excluded no sin is different and when we reflect him we're the image bearers of god that was manifest especially in jesus so let's be jesus right just be jesus
2: i think a lot of times we get to places in life where we think i'm not qualified to be Jesus's agents of change in the world. I'm not qualified to reconcile with other people. You feel like you're so distant. Why would God even reconcile with me? And I want to give you a couple more examples uh, from the Bible that I think will help clear some of that up for you. Um, There's this moment after the resurrection. Very powerful moment. And Peter, he'd gone back to being a fisherman right? You, you, you guys know the story, uh, how Peter gets called in the first place. He's a fisherman. Uh, but then he had denied Jesus three times. He's, uh, he's sitting at a charcoal fire. That's what the Bible says. He's sitting at a charcoal fire, and he denies Jesus three times. People say, hey, weren't you the one with Jesus? No, it wasn't me. I know. I know. I saw you. No, that wasn't me. It wasn't me. Yeah, I know it was you. No, it wasn't me. He denies him three times. So, and then after that, of course, Jesus dies, and as far as Peter knew, the resurrection, he didn't know about all that yet. He thought Jesus was dead. And so what else do you do, right, when you've blown what seems to have been everything in your entire life? You seem like you have landed at the bottom. You go fishing. That's right. You go back to who you used to be, right? You can eat. Because who you wanted to be or who you thought God was calling you to be, that's so far out of reach for you now. You think, there's no way I could ever possibly get that now. But what does Jesus do for Peter? It's in John 21. What Jesus does is he cooks Peter breakfast over a charcoal fire. The same setting exactly, the identical setting in which Peter denied Jesus Three times. It's very important that you notice these little details in the Bible because they actually make it all a whole lot more powerful when you apply it and you look at your own life. You think, God, how far gone could I possibly be? You're not too far gone. Watch what Jesus does. He cooks him breakfast at a fire and then he asks Peter this question at this fire. Do you guys remember what the question is? Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord. I love you. Well, then feed my lambs. What's he asking after that? Simon, do do you you love love me? me? You know I love you. Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. How many times? Three times. times. For every time that Peter denied Jesus at a charcoal fire, Jesus, after cooking him breakfast, had Peter tell Jesus how much he loved him at a charcoal fire. Then Jesus says these words, follow me. The same call he'd given Peter a couple years before that. Because there is literally nothing you could possibly ever do that could separate yourself from the love of Jesus. And your gifts and your calling, they are irrevocable. And I know that your trespasses sometimes for Jesus, he's looking at him and he's like, Peter, I know these trespasses were directly against me. You denied me directly. And you know what he does? He says, I'm not going to count that against you. I don't count that against you. Reconciliation. Rachel, if you want us to come up and start playing, Um, rewind just a little bit in that story, or from that story to before the resurrection, and you're at this moment, the night that Jesus was betrayed. Jesus, he had one last meal, it's a very consistent thing, right, with his closest friends, uh, in a room known as the upper room, it's the Latin phrase, the cynical, it literally means to dine, or I dine, this is the place that I'm dining, okay, and it's there that he makes the announcement, of course, that what that one of you is going to deny me, or one of you is going to betray me, somebody else is going to deny me. So he's there with his friends, one's going to deny him, and Judas, he's there with everybody. And do you know what Jesus does for, Jesus, for Judas and for everyone else? He washes their feet. He washes Judas's feet, knowing that he's going to deny him. Knowing that Judas was about to turn Jesus in, he would have Jesus' blood on his hands. Jesus washes his feet. He served him. It's almost as if Jesus knew, I'm not going to get another chance to reconcile with you, so I'm going to do everything I can to preemptively do anything I possibly can to reach your heart before this is too late. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So Jesus, he shares one last meal with Judas, and it's during that meal that he says what he says. He washes the feet of his betrayer, and then he says that he says, "This is my body, and it's for you." Could you even imagine being Judas in that room, in that moment, saying, "Wow, this body's for me. This blood's for me." Knowing what you had done, knowing what you'd set in motion, knowing what you would do, this is for me. Your blood's for me. Matthew's gospel puts it this way it says, This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. It's poured out for the forgiveness of sins. As the table is a representation of what happened on the cross, what Jesus did on the cross. And every time that we come together and we we have a meal, we share it with somebody, what we're doing is we're demonstrating that same reconciling love. That says, the people who are at this table with me, the people who are in community with me right now, they matter just as much as I do. Jesus died for them just as much as he did for me. In fact, the word Eucharist, what does it mean? It means thanksgiving. It means they gave thanks. Thank you for what you've done, Jesus. Thank you that in the broken state of all of our lives, you meet us right where we are. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given me the opportunity to reconcile with my neighbors. You've given us the the opportunity to reconcile with the people in our city. Because that's our heart for our city. That's our heart for Detroit. We want to wash the feet of the people who have done us wrong, who have hurt us. We want to exist for the people who aren't in our church yet. We want to be out there. We want to be loving them. We want to be meeting where they are. They are the ones we want to set the table for and invite them in. That's why we want to do the reconciliation table. We're here for them. We're serving them. We'll wash their feet. And the thing that makes the gospel so incredibly significant, and the thing that makes communion so incredibly significant is there is a seat for everyone at this table.
1: No sin is bigger than other sin. It's all sin, and it's all separating us. It's all destroying that image of God in us. We have to encounter Him. But here's the beautiful thing. At that fire, Jesus showed up right where Peter was. And all over the Bible, God meets us right where we are. This, Peter didn't go there because this is a, a good time, you know, like, oh, I had a good time at the fire. Let's go to the fire again. I love the fire. This was a bad memory for him. and But he still, he showed up, and Jesus met him right where he was in his brokenness. We come to the table broken, and the image of God just completely plundered by sin, no one comes to the table reconciled. Don't show up expecting everybody else to be okay. Come to the table ready to take on and bear and learn what the image of God should be in you. And when you do that, you start to treat others as though they're bearing the image of God in them. That's what we're doing in our relationships, in our families, in ourselves. Treat yourself like you see how Jesus sees you. You've heard this before. You've heard it. Don't expect everybody, this is a process, this process of encounter, bearing the image of God to the world. Israel was a light to the nations. They'll know by your love for one another. I mean, guys, it's laced in the Bible everywhere. This is the divine embrace of humanity. By the Spirit of God, he reveals who he is to us. By his word, by his authoritative scriptures, that scripture has authority and it's real. Never look at it and say, but not the scriptures. No, 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 bring the scriptures to the center and say, but the scriptures. Now, who is God? And if it doesn't match up with with who you know God to be, ask questions. Don't just take it right where you're, it's it's creating tension we're we're equipped by the presence of God by the image of God to reconcile and be reconciled let's be who God is in this broken world we're all broken we all come to the table not reconciled your marriage can be reconciled every single part of it I'm not saying mine is, but we're working on it. And we're working on bringing Jesus right back to it and never stop working on it. Your children, if they're far from God or making mistakes, that can be reconciled. God's doing something. Be him to them. And he'll begin to restore that. He wants to do that. That's his goal, to reconcile every single one of us, to reconcile our communities, and then reconcile all of creation, and no one is excluded from that, no one. Your mind, he can reconcile your mind, your job. This is not limited to your role in the church. This goes into your workplace, and that's really, really important. The things you do if you have tension with your boss or your co-workers, or if you're just not doing your job well, or someone's making it so you can't do your job well, or you just don't feel right at your job, whatever that is, God can reconcile that. He can make it right, and he can build a path for you to be him in your workplace. Everywhere you go, when you go to the grocery store, when you pick up your kids from daycare, or you, at all the things you do. You're serving people, you're being served. God wants to reconcile all that. At this table on Thanksgiving, if you have family that things are just not okay with, this table is not for starting a fight. It's for bearing the image of God to other people and recognizing the image of God and those that there's tension with. And that, my friend, is what will restore it. God the presence of God. So please, if you have a Thanksgiving meal that you're not going to, go. And if you have a Thanksgiving meal that you're not looking forward to, go. And before you go, sit in the car and weep with the Holy Spirit and let him change you. This morning, weep with the Holy Spirit. Let God be who he is to you so you can be whole and that relationship can be whole. God can heal your family and your tensions. Show up. Be who you're supposed to be. All right. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this space, for this place, for this city, for this the these people, God, this this side of Michigan, God, I pray that you would bless them. God, that you would restore them individually, the, the little pieces that we haven't quite given to your image yet. God, I pray that you would just your image would be so beautiful that we can't do anything but reflect it, God. And I thank you in this space that you're doing that in this space already, God, in this church. God, and and even though we have churches next to us. We're one, and we are the the demonstration of who you've asked us to be in this community, right here in this church, God, and they're going to do their part, and we're going to do ours, and we're going to lock arms, God, and we're all going to have the kingdom mindset to restore your image to each other. Into this broken, broken world, I thank you for that. If you're in this place and you just say, I need that. I need something in me to res- be restored so something in my life can come back to this image of God and be reconciled. If you want that, please just stand up right now. And we want to pray for you. Please, anything. If you just are like, no, I just really want that and I don't even know what it is. But God is telling me, bear my image. Bear my image. It will bring healing and, and reconciliation. We want to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. God, I thank you for these brave, courageous souls that stood up today. God, I pray that you would draw them in. Draw them into your presence to be transformed, just like you transformed Moses at the burning bush. It's not the bush that was burning that mattered, it was the transformation in Moses' heart that was the thing that you wrote about. That you wanted the world to know, and I pray right now that, that, that there would be an experience with you that would happen, that, 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 that they can write home about, that they can declare from the rooftops, God, that you would restore that, and you would show them what that's going to look like, that you will do it, and you will encourage them in that. God, I pray for healing and restoration. Thank you, Jesus. We love you.
0: That's one of those messages that just rolled right over me, and I was smiling through the whole thing, and yet the Holy Spirit's just going. And then he picks me up and gives me a big kiss. Hallelujah. That's the kind of God we serve. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Could I have the ushers come forward? No pressure. You know this. You've been here long enough. If you would like to seed into their ministry, if you want a t shirt, save a little bit for that. Or one of the one of the cards. But if you would like to plant into their ministry, and if you'd wanna write a check, make it out to Mount Hope Church, everything going in this offering will go to this couple to Courage Church. Uh, that they can use whether it's for gifts or tilling up vacant land or I don't I don't want to say we will but you know I'm leaning I'd love to bring a team down and help you with that we can do that we could we can can we level some ground how many would go down there for a few days and, and do some work down there short-term mission yes We'd love to be a part. You guys are awesome. Great word today. And I wish you could have been there over the weekend to hear their hearts. And to know how hard they work. Honestly, they, they put me to shame. Knowing you're going for your masters and you're raising four kids. and I mean, we did that. I sh- <laughs> we did that. But it, I, this is the first time I'm on the other side of it and I'm watching somebody else do it. And it's like, wow, it's not easy. And you're pastoring a church. God bless you guys. Lord, I thank you for this couple. For their kids. It's not just them. It's a family thing. I thank you for the table. The table of reconciliation. God, I pray that 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 very idea would just permeate this church to the root of who we are at The Hope family members, friends, even people that have left this church. God, that somehow, someway, you have prepared a table in the midst of my enemies. God, I pray that as we give today, that every penny, Lord, would go to be used to present the image of God to the people in Detroit. That you would build Courage Church as only you can and that you would infuse supernatural strength and peace and courage into this couple. To finish Dawn, to finish her degree, Jacob Lord, to lead that church as you've called them to lead it. Surround them with godly people, men and women, who want to partner with them. not, Not just in the physical realm, but also in the financial And I pray that everybody that's able to give today, Lord, that you'd bless it back to them 30, 60, even 100 times over. We love you. We commit this offering and this couple and the Courage Church people into your hands. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. feel like your life's been changed today by the, the word of god by this testimony amen <clears throat> make sure and give these guys a big god bless you hug and love on them before they leave today and their kids they're, they're awesome amazing kids and uh thank you for coming today i'm looking forward by the way if you didn't see that the slide No service Wednesday. Everything is, the building's shut down. Uh, We'll we'll be in the office during the afternoon, but at 2 o'clock we close. So uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving with family at the table. Amen. Lord, we thank you again for everything you're doing in this church, in the church. Use us, Lord, to be reconcilers. Use us to present the image of God as you see fit lord as you want us to look to this world so that they can see the jesus who lives in us and holy spirit direct our path help us to know when to turn left when to turn right when to be bold when to be silent lord we commit our lives our testimonies this church our ministries into your hands and the very success of them Bless our families this next week. Help us, Lord, just to be reconcilers. And I pray that as we go out of here today, you keep us all safe as we come and go. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.